Welcome to the third season of the Advanced Practice Perspectives. I'm Trisha Williams. And I'm Toby O'Brien. This is a podcast created by advanced practice providers for advanced practice providers. Our goal is to provide you with education and inspiration. We will be chatting with pediatric experts on timely key topics and giving you an inside look at the various advanced practice role at Children's Mercy. We are so glad that you are joining us today. So sit back, tune in, and let's get started. Today, we are pleased to have Robin Ferguson. Robin works in the Organizational Development Department of Children's Mercy and is the founding member of the Leadership Coaching Collective in Children's Mercy's Internal Leadership Coaching Program. We're privileged to chat with her today about how we all can be leaders. Welcome to the podcast, Robin. Thanks for having me. And you left out the most important part. I'm also a nurse. <laughs> I did leave out the most important part. You are a nurse. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> What's a nurse? Always a nurse, right? Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Well, we are thrilled that you are on. Trisha has spoken so highly of you, and so I'm so excited to get to hear more about all of the wisdom that you have for us. So first of all, let's start by having you tell us more about yourself. Yeah. Well, I will say it's been kind of a winding road to get to this place. I'm a big believer in reinventing yourself on a regular basis. So that process of learning and growing of human beings is always an important one. But yeah, I started my career in nursing. So I started at Children's Mercy as a nurse tech when I was in nursing school. And I've been a nurse in the intensive care nursery helped open an urgent care and then have also worked with teens. So I kind of worked my way up the age level. And then I left nursing and went to seminary and became a minister. So I started a church, ran that church for almost seven years, and then moved from that into consulting. So I was working with ministers that were trying to grow their church, working with boards. And that's where I really started to develop a passion for leadership development. Because when going from nursing to ministry, I had no idea, really, I'd done some charging and things like that, but I didn't really know what it took to be a good leader. And so having had to learn that myself the hard way, grew a passion for helping others to develop as leaders. And so became a leadership coach at that point in time. And started really working with leaders and boards around, you know, what are um, most effective practices and how do you be a great leader. And that's what led me back to Children's Mercy because my passion is um, for this organization stems from when I was a nursing student. And so it's just changed forms, but I still so believe in our providers and all our leaders in this organization set a tone for our whole organization that impacts our families and our children. And so that's how I got here. Quite the journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I want to really start off with talking about advanced practice as leaders and how we empower ourselves as leaders. Because if we don't have the title of leadership, We are innately not seeing ourselves like that. We see ourselves as boots on the ground, getting jobs done, Mm -hmm. and we're not a leader unless we have that in our title. And I I heard a quote once that I just loved, and its author is unknown, but the quote says, to be a leader is not to have a huge position. To be a leader is to see your job as a chance to inspire the world, no matter what your job is. And I truly feel like advanced practice providers can change the world in so many ways. So help us see ourselves as leaders. What would be your advice? Yeah, well, I believe everybody has the opportunity to be a leader. And that quote so embodies that idea. 
leadership is really about influence. So it's looking at what is your sphere of influence and who's around me? Who do I work with every day? Even when our families and our communities, even in the grocery store standing in line, we always have an opportunity to influence people in a positive way. And so effective leadership is really about being aware and conscious of that idea that every interaction I have, whether that be with a patient, a family, you know, a fellow provider, staff that I'm working with, that I have an opportunity to influence their day, their work, um, and what do I want to do with that power? And so it really is, especially as providers, you have teams of people that are looking to you for guidance, certainly in patient care, but you also are modeling what it means to be in that position of power, we'll say, influence for sure. And so what are you going to do with that influence? And so to me, whether you're an individual contributor or you're a CEO, that idea of waking up in the morning and thinking, okay, where do I, where can I have influence and how can I make a positive change in the world in which I'm operating every day. So just keeping that awareness in the forefront of our mind, I think, is the most powerful way we can show up as leaders. That is perfect. The ability to influence and use your power to influence others and have a positive effect on their daily work, their daily life, is really the true meaning of leadership, regardless of who you are within an institution. And then, especially as us as providers, what we can do with our team and our patients and how we can affect the overall culture of the institution is pretty empowering. Yeah, and one of the things that I've recognized as I've coached clinical leaders and having a clinical background myself, we're really starting to shift our culture here at Children's Mercy to one where leaders are also coaches. And so coming from that coaching mindset and skill set, obviously, there's those of us that are professionally certified and do that on a regular basis. But it is that idea that we are empowering people and the people around us. And one of the things that I've noticed is that as clinical people, we're natural problem solvers. So that idea of we come in, we look at what are the symptoms, we diagnose, we look at what are the treatment options, and we work to fix things and make people better. And that's great on that level. In leadership, that can sometimes get in our way because we tend to be fixers then, and we tend to problem solve for people. And as we look at the changing landscape and evolution of leadership, what we're seeing is that moving towards more of a coaching style where instead of being the problem solvers or having the immediate answer, that we ask more questions and that we begin to empower people in a way that helps them problem solve for themselves and develop those skills. And that's that's fairly new in the leadership realm in our organization. Uh, it's a fairly different approach, but it's one that allows people to feel more engaged, to feel like they have a voice in what's happening. And so moving to that space of, you know, one of our values is curiosity. So moving to that place of curiosity and again, like, how can I mentor this person? How can I coach this person instead of just immediately giving them the answer or advising or fixing? It's counterintuitive sometimes to our clinical mindset, but it's so <laughs> yeah. important to be aware of. Well, and it's important to be respectful to the adults that we work with because everybody in the workforce is adults. And so instead of fixing, it's important to empower and help them grow as well. Yeah, absolutely. 
how do we enrich that culture within our group of just trying to think, well, you do have this ability, and but you do have to somewhat be intentional about it. Yeah, it certainly takes intention on everybody's part who wants to, you know, make a positive impact in what they do. And we're all human. So I certainly forget that on a regular basis. And when I'm stressed or (laughs) irritated or whatever. So we have to allow ourselves grace in that process. But it's the same way we would approach patient care. We wouldn't walk into a room and look at a child that we're caring for and start being critical or demanding things of them or saying, here's what you need to do. We would ask questions and we would get curious about what's going on and we would explore like what's important to you in your life because obviously if you prescribe something or want them to follow a treatment plan, you know, we have to understand what's important to them and what's going to impact that and what's going to get in the way. But yet we don't have that same mindset sometimes when we're interacting with each other. So to me, that is everybody being a leader is coming from that mindset of if I cared about this person, like I cared about my patients, how would I treat them? I would be respectful. I would wonder about what is stressing them that might be getting in the way of their day. What can I do to be helpful? How can I communicate more clearly? How can I ask questions so I understand where they're coming from? So, you know, it's, not that difficult to practice if we just kind of flip that switch and think in terms of same way we go about patient care, really. I love that. I was thinking too about how you never really know what someone has gone through. So I always think about how easy it is for me to feel like, I can't believe that someone is acting this way. But if I stop to think, well, what happened to them before they got to this point in their interaction with me? Like, did they, you know, wake up and everything went wrong in their day up until this point? And so I have to stop and tell myself that a lot whenever I might be having somewhat of a negative interaction with someone. And I think that really helps because then all of a sudden I'm trying to be more understanding and less, I guess, reactive. Yeah, for sure. And we um, have this concept of assuming positive intent that we're working on really getting in our culture. So when I start making up stories about why this department didn't do that, or this person interfered with my work or my day or whatever, I can take a step back and say, okay, if I'm going to assume positive intent here, that they didn't mean harm, that they were trying to do their job. Maybe they have their own stressors. It just helps me get in a more curious mindset and say, okay, tell me more about what happened here or where you're coming from. And yeah, I think that's big. One of the things that I remember you and I talking about, Robin, in the past is what motivates people to show up to work? So some people are very task-oriented and some people are very relationship-oriented. And sometimes if you have one of both, there tends to be some conflict. And so just realizing the type of person that you're working with, are they relationship building or task oriented, and just keeping in mind that everybody strives on different things, I think has also been very helpful for me too. And I think that if I show up to work knowing that, okay, this person's very relationship oriented, okay, how was your day? How was your weekend? How was your day? And then everything just goes smoothly throughout the day just by asking those couple of questions, because I'm very task oriented. I have lists, I check things off, I'm there to do my work and get out. But if I come to work and I don't build those relationships with those relationship building people, um, then I come across very assertive and aggressive and I don't care. And that's definitely not it. I'm just very task oriented. And I'm relationship oriented, Trisha. Yes. That is why we're yin yang. <laughs> that's why we're the yin and the yang, Toby. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a great balance. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, I think uh, it's exactly what you're saying, just being aware that we're not all wired the same. And Mm -hmm. nobody, maybe a few people, but very rarely do people wake up during the morning and be like, I'm going to make everybody around me miserable and I'm going to make their work harder. And No, I mean, we all start out with positive intent, right? That I want to do a good job and I want to get along with the people I work with. We inadvertently interfere with that intention sometimes because we don't have that awareness of what is our natural style and maybe somebody else's style is different. And even asking those questions like what works for you um, in our communication? What's helpful? How can we make this process easier for both of us? And just being able to ask those questions because you're right. If you're relationship oriented and somebody comes in and starts barking off, here's what we need to get done today and doesn't say good morning, then you're going to be offended and probably in a bad mood the rest of the day and angry at them. Um, In the same token, if you're a relationship person and you're going on and on about your weekend and your vacation plans, the other person who's task-oriented is probably tapping their foot like, come on, let's get down Mm -hmm. to it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, just honoring that balance. Tell us a little bit about this Clifton Strengths Assessment, will you? Sure. Yeah, I love Clifton Strengths. It's decades old. So it was started by a psychologist, Don Clifton, who uh, looked around and the world of psychology and said, wow, it seems like everybody's focusing on what's wrong with everyone. What if we focused on what was right with them? And so he eventually collaborated with the Gallup organization, which, as you know, is famous for their research and polling and surveying and that kind of thing. And they began to study uh, effective leaders. So it was really based in leadership, although, like I said, it's sort of this idea that everybody's a leader. This can be applied to anyone in their life. But it's an assessment that they have identified 34 strengths that they have seen across various populations, various cultures. So, you know, a lot of different groups of people that have these 34 common strengths. And you can take the assessment and find out your top five, or you can get all 34. But it is the idea that when we recognize what our natural strengths are, that we can make choices in our life about the work that we do, about our relationships, about even our downtime and how we rejuvenate that are aligned with our natural strengths. And it's sort of like if you are using your dominant hand, when you're using your strengths, things just come easier to you and the day flows and you're in more joy and feel more fulfilled. So you might have had a day where you're incredibly busy And yet at the end of the day, you're like, that was a fantastic day. And then when you're using those strengths, we have all 34 and we can use them. But when you're using your less dominant strengths, it's like using your non-dominant hand. You can do it and you can even learn to do it effectively, but it's always going to feel a little more awkward and it's not going to be as natural or as comfortable. So those kind of days look like, okay, maybe I only had two or three things to do, but I come home exhausted because I'm like, that was terrible. So you know, even without taking the assessment, just being able to observe what are your natural strengths and when are you in a place of really feeling you're in the flow and you lose track of time and what are what was going on then and what did it bring out in me and beginning to notice those things. When we notice that then about each other, we can recognize that, oh, there's some strengths that are maybe number 32, 33 on my list that are one and two on your list, let's get together and talk because that collaboration happens when we recognize that we don't have the same natural talents or abilities. And instead of that person maybe that 
was annoying me. And I'm like, why are they doing things that way? That's not the way I would do it. We start to think in terms of maybe they have different strengths and maybe they can see something I don't see. And let's have a conversation and see how we can work together because I bring this part and you bring that part. So like I said, even without taking the assessment, just thinking in that those terms helps us just be more diverse in our approach to things and more collaborative. I love this assessment because it takes, I feel like all of the other personality assessments and things that I've taken in the past, it's always like your weaknesses or how you come across to people and how these types of things. This is the first assessment that I've ever taken that it's like, you have great strengths about you. How do you empower these strengths and work with others to empower their strengths and to elevate the culture? And this has been a life-changing assessment for me. I think everybody should take it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I love it. I love it because for the very reasons you said, it's based on finding the best in people and helping to empower them and call that out, but also leaning on that. Because mm-hmm. just like you said, one of you is task-oriented, one of you is relationship-oriented. Well, you bring different aspects and a diverse perspective to what you do, and that enhances the work in general. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when we can all do that, it really elevates all of us. Absolutely. Now, is this one of those assessments that you can share with others, right? Like some of those you try not to share or like, uh, because then if Tricia knows what my assessment says, it wouldn't be good. You know, those one types of tests. I can't remember what uh-huh. but that's called. But anyway, yeah. this one I, I should take and then Tricia can know my results. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, if you choose to share it. If sure. I choose yeah. to so, share it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like my team has done it and I do retreats and things with teams of people where we look at, okay, as a team, what are our natural strengths? And there's four domains that each of these strengths are in. So you can look at the domains of the team and say, yes, we're really strong in this domain, not so much in this domain. What does that mean for our workflow? But yeah, I mean, even in just um, like partnerships, relationships, when you look at that, you can look at, oh, okay, now I understand you better. But yeah, it's certainly something that you can share and then you'll know what someone might be strong in that you didn't realize and that maybe is not in your wheelhouse and how you can maximize that. Okay, I'm going to have to take that later. I could probably tell you what your strengths are, Toby. I know you pretty well. (laughs) Um, Robin, I would love to spend some time just kind of debunking some common misnomers that people may have, like some barriers that they may have to actually seeing themselves as leaders and how can they flip their mindset to just really embrace the leadership person inside them. And so what are some common misnomers? Well, I see a lot of imposter syndrome. So whenever we are attempting to grow or um, challenging ourselves to be a better version of ourselves, it doesn't have to be anything big, but it can be like going back to school or taking on a new role or those kind of things. We're going to come up against this concept of monkey mind that it comes from this idea that there's a monkey sitting on your shoulder chattering in your ear. But, you know, we have that primitive part of our brain that in ancient times and even now have kept have really focused on keeping us safe. But our brain can't discern like the difference between a charging lion and the unknown. And so fear is fear. And so that part of our brain gets triggered and we go into this fear state. And anytime we're going through any kind of change or attempting to challenge ourselves to try on a new behavior, 
that gets triggered. And what happens is that inner chatter starts. And it looks a little different for all of us. But if you think about it and you start to observe it, you can recognize those kind of two or three phrases that come up in the moment like, what was I thinking doing this? I don't know if I have what it takes. And so knowing that's part of our just wiring and our brain wiring, we can look at that moment when that comes up and say, okay, do I want to listen to that or do I want to keep taking a step forward? And so anytime there's a new behavior or new idea, like thinking of myself as now a leader, what does it look like to be a leader? Knowing that we're trying on a new behavior, we're practicing new ways of operating in the world. And there's going to be moments that maybe it doesn't work, that we start to spiral into that. Well, who am I to be that? Who am I to have influence here? Who am I to make a difference? Who am I to propose this new idea? Know that that's going to happen. But we have a choice in that moment to listen to it or to step forward and say, you know what, thanks for sharing, but I'm going to make a move in that direction anyway. And if I fall down, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to try it again until I really begin to believe that's who I am. So it's a practice like anything else, like when you start a new workout routine. It, it takes a while to before you're really comfortable and you're like, I've got this. So leadership is a practice. Yeah, I've recently been going through this leadership work with Robin, and I would attest to it. It's a daily practice. It's a daily noticing the triggers, taking a breath, processing, and then taking an intentional step forward. And it's just, okay, I'm a leader and telling yourself that I'm a leader at home. I'm a leader in my community. I'm a leader at work. I'm a leader as a human. And I think that if we all start looking at ourselves like that, the impact that we can have as advanced practice providers within our institution, within our state, within our country, within the world is just huge. I agree, Trisha. Amen to that. (laughs) I mean, because I think what you said about the syndrome, well, sometimes you feel like you're the only person who feels that way. But when hearing you talk, and of course, I've read enough to know that I'm like, I'm not the only one that feels like that, but sometimes it feels that way. So, but to get past that point, to know like you are here for a reason, you have done the work. Now, believe in yourself and keep moving forward and make a difference because you can. And I love hearing just the psychology behind it and to know that you're you're not alone in that. Yeah, you're definitely not. I mean, I've coached executives who feel that same way. And so it really is about recognizing, okay, what do I have to contribute here? How can I be of value? What are my strengths? And we all have value. We all have those things that we have to offer. And so really starting to focus on that more than we focus on the things that are missing or wrong that we consider wrong with us but really focusing on what's right about us and what what opportunities are in front of us that we can make a difference. Yeah, it's powerful. It is very powerful. I wanted to spend some time talking about conflict resolution, but now that I'm kind of reflecting back on everything we've talked about, we've touched on those topics, right? We've talked about seeing the best in people, showing up with our strengths, recognizing our strengths within others to potentially avoid conflict, correct? Or do you think that there's some tidbits that we need to know about conflict resolution with either within our peer groups or our team or with our manager or something to that effect? Yeah, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with conflict. I think we have such a negative idea about it. And really, 
it's the opportunity for us to get creative and it's an opportunity for us to stretch and see things in a different way. And so I was trained in this concept of polarity management where you're looking at, okay, you're on one pole and I'm on the other pole and did this great exercise once with a Native American group where we were in a circle and there was this skull of an elk in the middle of the circle and we were just invited to spend like two to three minutes studying it. So looking at where the shadows fell, where the crevices were, what colors were on it. And then uh, we moved around to the opposite side of the circle and did the same thing. So then we were on the opposite end of it. And the whole idea behind it was when there's conflict, you know, we're on this circle and it just happens that you're on the opposite side looking at this issue from that perspective. I'm over here looking at it from my perspective. So it could be this is my role, so this is what's important, and this is what I'm seeing in the situation. You're on the other side. You've got a different role. What what perspective are you looking at? So we see this a lot like in our organization about the conversation between providing care for everyone and being financial stewards so that we can do that. There's some innate conflict that comes into those conversations at times, but it's recognizing both are important. So what's the value that we share And when you begin to be able to identify the value that you and I share, even though we may stand on different parts of the circle, have different backgrounds, different perspectives, just different roles, let's focus on the value and how can we bring those strengths that we both have in support of that value. So that is an opportunity for creativity and it's an opportunity for us to come together rather than to be apart and in an us and them mentality and be in that state of conflict. You were so wise. I love that. That's just, it's like looking at the opposite side. And you said it perfectly when it's a time for growth. Yeah, it's an opportunity for us to grow and to gain insights and to get creative. Mm -hmm. To get creative. It's just, don't look at conflict as negative. If we go about it as an opportunity for success, then it's not going to have that negative consequence or that negative outcome that we all want to avoid. Yeah. And it takes courage to have these conversations. So I don't want to undermine the fact that these, all the things we've been talking about today, it takes courage as human beings to confront our ingrained beliefs and our preconceived ideas and to instead lean in and get curious and take steps forward. But, you know, who do we want to be? Yeah, I love how you said, like, reinventing yourself. I think that you said that at the very beginning. So you can always sort of change and grow. And like these conflicts are opportunity to get more creative than you would have been prior. So I think it's obvious. Yeah, for sure. Growth opportunity. What are some resources, say, that listeners, if they wanted to learn more about what you offer or how they can learn more about getting your wisdom for themselves, how could they go about finding more information? Yeah, well, certainly they can email me personally if there's something in particular or if they're looking for a coach. You know, we do have a group of coaches that that um, help support this process for people, but then resources like you know, you can go to the Gallup website, type in Gallup Clifton Strengths, and you can find more information about how you go about taking that test if you're interested in doing that. Polarity management was the other um, piece that I mentioned as far as conflict management goes, if that's something that interests you. So lots of resources out there to support. And then, you know, I'm always looking for 
great books on leadership and people who are really tuned into kind of the world as it stands right now. I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown, so I'm sure there's many listening that <laughs> can relate mm-hmm. to that because I think she speaks a lot to this idea of courageous vulnerability and how we show up as leaders and as people. Well, Robin, you have just been a wealth of information as always. And I looked up a few quotes. I'm a huge quote fanatic when it comes to leadership. And I did some research on looking up some quotes, as I had mentioned before, with my first quote. But I found this quote by the famous RBG. And she said, fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And that is everything that we talked about, because if you're not getting the people and understanding and leading them, then you're just a person with an idea. And so you have to get your troops behind you. So I love me some RBG. So yeah. Robin, thank you for joining us today. We like to end each podcast episode with a question. So we would love to ask you, in what way do you encourage your colleagues? Or what is your favorite way to encourage your colleagues? What a great question. Well, since we're talking Clifton strengths, one of my top five is the maximizer strengths, which is about taking things that are good and making them even better or focusing on taking what exists and focusing on what's possible. So for me, whether that be in my previous roles, but especially now as a coach, I'm always looking at what are people's strengths and what are they really great at and then inviting them to take it up a notch. So what would it look like if you ran with that idea? So you know, it seems a lot of times we wait for permission from someone, somebody who's going to say, hey, that's a good idea. Go, go forward, run with it, do it. We're always looking outside of ourselves for that. And so how can we, one, do that for ourselves? But as a coach, I'm always listening for those little moments where I can say, do it. Yeah, well, that's great. What would that look like? And just really being sort of a champion for their possibility. That's my favorite thing in the world. You are so inspiring, and we are so blessed to have you on our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, you bet. Thanks for having me. You bet. If you have a topic that you would like to hear about, or you are interested in being a guest on our podcast, you can email us at tdobryan at cmh.edu or twilliams at cmh.edu. Once again, thanks so much for listening to the Advanced Practice Perspectives podcast.